0: Uh, this morning, Nate and I want to just kind of close our sermon series on this uh, uh, the series that we've been doing called uh, RC Foundations, or just revisiting uh, some foundations, some principles, some identities, and some uh, practices uh, that we have been walking through together over the last couple weeks, and, and so there is our uh, chart right there that we've been working through. But we want to close this week, or this sermon series this week from Galatians chapter 4, and uh, I'll have it on the screen for you, but if you want to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, we're going to start there this morning, but what we're going to do this morning is share with you why we think missional communities are a fantastic way to be God's people. And uh, you heard us repent several weeks ago. We're not saying this is the only way. We don't think it's the only way. But we do think it is a fantastic way to live out who we are. And so what we've learned over the last several weeks is that the story tells us that God has always had a people whom he gave a mission to, from Adam and Eve to Israel to Jesus to the church. God's people have always been about receiving the kindness, the love of God, and then expressing that to other people in a missional life. This life that God calls us to from an Adam all the way to us is a life that is a, a life that is to be filled up with all the fullness of God, to be filled up with the life of God, the love of God, the light of God. And as the people of God are filled with this love and this life, they then radiate that to others. So we have been redeemed to bring redemption to others. We've been blessed to bless others. We've been saved to be God's saved people to others. We've come to see that whatever God has done in us and for us, then we are avenues and vehicles to do to others and for others. And the thing that we're going to talk about this morning is that this life of everyday being with God's people and receiving the love of God together and pouring that out to others is an everyday life. There's no breaks in being a Christian. There's no timeouts. There's no vacations. That doesn't mean all day long, every day you're stressing yourself out. There's Sabbath. There's rest. But in your rest, you still maintain your following of Jesus. In everything you do, you are called to be a follower of Jesus. And so this morning, what I want to walk through this morning is, uh, I'm going to give a a quick synopsis of what we're talking about. And then Nate and I are going to kind of tag team back and forth about uh, some ideas and things that we're going to process together from Galatians chapter 4. But the idea is simply this, is that following Jesus is a daily pursuit... My, of course, technology will not work right now, right? Let's see if this works. No, it's just dead. All right, well, there we go. Following Jesus is a daily pursuit to be formed into the image of Jesus through and for community and mission. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul says this, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Here's like a heartbeat of, of Paul. Is that he is in the, in the pains of childbirth. You know, as a man, I don't know quite how he used that analogy. But he must have understand it and seen that. And the imagery is that he wants to, in a sense, give birth to these people. And he wants to have them come into the image of who Jesus is. And he's in these deep, deep pains. That Christ would be formed in them. See, if you know anything about the book of Galatians, the Galatians, the uh, church that he's right to, were constantly being tempted and going back and reverting back to their old way of life. They were reverting back to the old story of their lives. We would say that they kept going back and living to the cultural story of the Jewish world; that they would keep being entangled by the the laws and the customs and obedience, and and finding their justification with God based on what they're doing. And Paul is like in such agony that he said, "You guys need to be saved all over again," and I'm in deep, deep pains that Christ would be formed in you. And like we're in. As a church as elders who are leading you, we are asking and praying that Christ be formed in us. That we would not go back to the old stories that we have grown up in. That we don't revert back to the different ideologies and the different ways of living. But that the story of Christ and who Jesus is would be formed in us. See, you are being formed into some image every day, all day. There's never a time that you're not being shaped into something or someone. So the question is never, not the question is never if you're being shaped, but what are you being shaped into? And to follow Jesus demands that you are constantly being shaped and formed into who he is. And I want to make a point about this formation, what it means to be shaped by Jesus. One thing that it means for sure is that we are shaped into Jesus' character, into the ethic of Jesus. So what that means is this, is that when we talk about being transformed, most of the time we think of being transformed in the idea of stop sinning. Does that make sense? And I'm with you. Being shaped into Jesus means that we are progressively growing and running away from sin and turning from sin and living a righteous life. And so there is this element of, of transformation, of being shaped by Jesus, that takes us away from sin. But I want you to know that that is not only thing that being shaped by Jesus means. Jesus is not... What, you know, there's an image that I think of and I don't know if this helps but this is what helps me in my crazy weird brain. Okay? It's like Jesus is here in the throne and all of the church is centered or gathered around him. And what we're doing is we're just making steps every day closer to Jesus. He's just standing there, and every day we we grow in our holiness, we make one step closer. And so like, you know, the greatest saint of all time, Paul, he's right next to Jesus, and me, I'm five miles behind in the line. Does that make sense? And so we're constantly making these steps to the center of Jesus. And what that makes Jesus is this king who's just sitting there waiting for me to get closer to him. I want us to start thinking of a picture where Jesus isn't just sitting, He's not just static. but Jesus is actually moving somewhere. Jesus is actually doing something. And now I would just ask you this question: Where is Jesus moving us to? See, to follow Jesus doesn't just mean we stop sitting. We need to do that. It's absolutely essential and critical. But it means to follow Jesus where Jesus is going. What I want you to know is that Jesus is on the front lines, fighting the enemies of darkness. To follow Jesus means that you follow him into his clearing of the path, his bringing the light into the darkness. When Jesus shines light into the darkness, the church should be right there with him. Does that make sense? And as we're moving into that darkness and following Jesus, that is going to change our character and it's going to lead us into mission. And so... What I would just say is that what it means to be shaped into the image of Jesus, be formed into his image, is moving into the areas of darkness as we are being transformed into the mission, the character of Jesus. Now, this last phrase here, following Jesus, daily pursuit, it's every day to be formed, and it's into the image of Jesus through and for community. Let me just quickly make this case for you, and we'll, we'll unpack it the rest of the morning. But simply this is that to be. Uh, formed into the of Jesus is through community. You can't be shaped into Jesus without community. We are actually also being formed into the of Jesus through mission. Do you know that where your idols often show up the most and the easiest place to see them is in the most uncomfortable places that you find yourself in? Where do you get transformed into the name of Jesus? Not just with God's people, but when you're actually out on the front lines in mission interacting with people who don't know Jesus and it makes you uncomfortable, your idols get revealed very quickly and you are being shaped into the name of Jesus there. But then I would also say this. It's not just through that, but, but being formed into the name of Jesus for community. You know that when you grow into the name of Jesus, who does that benefit? Me. You. Your MC, when you grow in holiness and you begin to love others, do you think your love, as it increases and abounds, and flows over other people, does that help them? But it's also for not just believing people, but it's for the unbelieving people. The people who do not yet know the love and the life of God. So, what I would just say is that following Jesus is an everyday thing where you need to be involved with community, And mission to be shaped into the image of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. Does that make sense? Like, you need to ask yourself every day, how am I interacting with God's people for people who don't know Jesus? And so Nate and I are going to talk about why we think one of the great ways to do this, to be involved in community and mission, is to be in groups of people. And we're learning and going what that means. You've heard us talk about that. But just give you this morning a quick plug as to why we think missional communities are a good place for that. But before we do that, Nate's going to interact with some, uh, what would you call them? The negatives. The negatives, yes. Negative Nate.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as we kind of transition, again, not leaving theology, but thinking how does theology become practical, it's probably a good idea for us to be honest and assess why does missional community life often not work? Why do we often hear this can't work? Because maybe you all have thought these things. We as pastors often think these things. We hear these things from folks. So I just want to spend just a couple minutes saying, why don't missional communities work sometimes? Um, So even as Scott and I have been reviewing our vision these last couple weeks, and even as Scott mentioned, we've repented to you, we want to be careful not to demonize People who don't agree with our practical theology. you know what I mean? Like, people who don't think missional communities are a good idea, that's fine. These are still our brothers and sisters. People who have left our church over these things, we still love these people. We still believe missional communities are the best way, though, which is why we're doing that. We would not present to you a discipleship, practical way of living life if we didn't think it was the best. But, if we're honest, why often don't missional communities work? I think part of that is on leadership... And part of that is on all of us. So I just want to walk through these two categories. Um, What is on leadership for why missional communities often fail, why they often don't seem to work? Um, Over the last several years, we've seen a lot of missional communities shut down. Does that mean missional communities are wrong or that they've been poorly led, that we have not actually met with and consistently trained and positioned our leaders for that? That is a failure on our part as a pastoral team. And we repent of that to you guys. We want to continually be repenting of where we're seeing ways that we have failed in rightly leading you guys, our people. Um, We haven't trained leaders in not just theology, but even spiritually, emotionally, practically on how to lead a group of people in mission together. Um, Yeah, so Scott and I recognize that a lot of that failure is on us. Um, And we... Even now, and again at the end of this we're going to talk about kind of like all week I've called it the MC State of the Union like where are we at with all of our MC's. We're going to get to that. But one thing that we want to talk about though is even in our training of new leaders we have failed to show how, why we need shared leadership. Why do we need a common covenant, a commitment together. Why we need a practical mission that calls us all together into that. Because what happens if you lose a leader? Something falls. What happens if the mission leaves and the people haven't bought into the mission? Well, then you don't have an MC anymore. So how do we actually put things in place and train leaders and teams of leaders together? That's where we failed on that. So often we've seen MCs shut down for that reason. Um, But there's also a second reason why missional communities fail, not just because of leadership. It's not all the pastor's fault. A lot of it is. But also reasons MCs fail is because we ourselves often are the reasons they fail. MC Life is hard, but we often, I think, are confused, and I want you to think about this, we often are confused in what our own expectations of community should be versus what's reality for community to be. We all come to a community with our expectations of, well, in my previous church, this is what community looked like. In my experience, here's what I need in community. And those things are important. But what happens if every member is flying in a bomber full of their expectations over their MC. You guys ain't going anywhere. So we need to recognize where am I actually looking to the gospel to speak of what community is, and where have my own expectations maybe collided with some of those things. We often want, this is all of us, we want relationships and community, but not the costs associated with that. Which, if you think about it, Why are things like Netflix and Disney Plus so popular? Because you get relationships, but no cost. Janet and I are watching this show right now called Blacklist. And we have characters that we love. But we can dip in and out of relationship with them whenever we want. We don't need to take their baggage on us today. We can just walk away from that show and never even come back to it. Relationships, though, come with a cost. And we all, in our heads, every human wants community but we often want to avoid the cost. And we think that the costs mean, well, it's not worth it then. So that's where, if that's where you're at and you're even thinking through, okay, well, what have my own expectations been? That's where we want to together begin pressing into what does it look like to actually recognize our own expectations, even weaknesses in community, and actually begin to vocalize those things together. As we're seeing new missional communities launched, coming together and saying, here's what my expectations are, Maybe these do or don't line up with what the group is about, though. Another reason within that that MCs don't work, as Scott already alluded to this, is in a communal life, your real life is going to get exposed. Your real life is going to come out. Your anxieties, your fears, your expectations, the real guts of who you are is going to spill out, which is often why people don't like missional communities. And... I mean, in one sense, that's okay. Often people just think, well, I just want a Sunday gathering and maybe a quick check-in during the week, and that's all. And if that's where you're at or even people are at, that's fine. We don't think, though, that the communal life Jesus calls us into is like an hour a week, though. Does that make sense? Um, Years ago, um, our pastoral team had this experience with someone who... Am I allowed to tell the story? (laughs) I think so. Someone... (laughs) No names. There was someone who was, uh, in one sense, kind of starting to come around our church, getting to know us, talking to our pastoral team, and as they heard more about MC Life, they said... That is a true story. It is a true story. And in one sense, their honesty is amazing. I applaud them for that, but they recognize jumping into this kind of life is going to be hard and frustrating, not just because of leadership, but because of my own expectations and potential even delusions of what I expect people to be for me are going to come out. Last reason for why MCs often seem to not work is simply because of the area we live in. We live in a suburban context where you got to drive to be anywhere. And oftentimes people look at you know, these like Soma MC videos and it's like you know communal gardens and you live two blocks from this person Then the fresh organic market is right up the street and oh you just do your grocery shopping together and everybody's all close and together That's amazing if you all live in a neighborhood Where your kids aren't gonna be right off of South Military Highway or where you don't have to jump on terrible 264 to get anywhere But we don't have that we live in a suburban context where you got to drive to see people so again is the problem missional communities Or is it our own expectations of what we expect to look at? We can't expect to have Portland, Oregon MCs here in Hampton Roads. And we don't want that. We want missional communities. We definitely don't want want that. (laughs) But do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? So how then do we become creative and ask the Spirit to show us ways that we can live as a community on mission together here in Hampton Roads? Yeah. Were you going to share that Bonhoeffer quote? Maybe we'll play it. Let's just do it right now. Go for it.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a a, a philosopher, theologian called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, He was around before uh, Hitler took over and was actually assassinated or martyred for his faith. And uh, over 100 years ago, he wrote this particular quote. He says, I don't know if you can read that, but I'll read it. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own laws, and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he's the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. Hmm. When this ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brother, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. What does Baumhoeffer say? In order for Christian community to work, you have to first of all smash your idea of Christian community.
1: Hmm.
0: Does that make sense? And what he actually says in a later quote, and if you want can give it to, he actually says this, is that you need to actually love the community rather than the idea of community. Hmm. And if you love the idea of community more than you love the community, your community will never work. And so what we're trying to come back and remind ourselves is that the structure isn't the issue. What your expectations are are never going to be met, but the issue is can you love God's people? Hmm. And when you love God's people, community will work. Does that make sense? Like when I say work, it's frustrating, okay? If you're married, how many days is your marriage frustrating? But you work at it, and you love that person, and and it becomes better. Well, flourishing over time. That's what community is. And if we have this understanding that anything like that, we just have this vision. And community has failed me. Well, has it? Or has your idea of community failed you? Hmm. So I just think that's something that you know. Is that what you're hitting at there? Yeah. With, you know that idea. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And then maybe before we jump into the communal missional, I just want to tell quick story Um, so again this is gonna demand creativity it's also gonna demand that we're willing to flex it's gonna demand that we're willing to maybe go outside of our comfort zone and I just want to brag on a group of people real quick Um, do you guys know Sam and Emily does everybody here know Sam and Emily does everybody know Joe and Mike and Mary and Don and Jeannie I had the amazing, and I'm not exaggerating, the amazing privilege to sit with their missional community a couple weeks ago. Sam and Emily have three little babies. Their missional community is made up of some older folks who don't have kids, people who aren't married right now. And you know what they do as a missional community? They get together at Sam and Emily's house. The little girls are running around, people are interacting with them, holding them, talking with them, playing with them. And then Sam and Emily... With everybody sitting there like, okay, we got to do the bedtime routine. And they do the bedtime routine. There's flailing and wailing of arms, and they go to put their kids down. And by then, it's like 8, 8, 30. And you know what their group does then? They say, okay, guys, how's everybody doing right now? Where are you guys at right now? Joe's been working. He's tired. He's been out working all day. He's sitting there with the people who love him. Mike and Mary, Don and Jeannie, they're Fathers and mothers in the faith, and they're sitting with these younger people just wanting to pour themselves out. I didn't leave their house till like 9.30. And that's late for me. Sorry, honest confession. But they don't care. They're willing to flex and move to be with God's people. And again, these are folks with little babies. And they're finding creative ways to make this work. They might move into a different season with their MC. And it might demand a different type of schedule. But for now, they're making that work. So I I tell that story first off to commend you guys for what you're doing, but also for all of us to see that and say, you know what, we, could, we can make that work too. It's going to demand some flexibility, some adjustments to our expectations, but we can do that. So, I want to jump into why, reason yeah. why now.
0: So, if we can just say, what, you know, just put a positive spin on this, like what does a missional community look like? How does it actually benefit people and, and um We're going to just look at two categories, the the communal side and the missional side. And I just want to make three points about uh, the communal side, why MCs are actually good. Number one, it creates spaces where the children of God can learn to live out their identities of being family to one another by loving, serving, and forgiving each other. So why, why are missional communities helpful in growing? Because this is the place, it becomes a place where you can actually live out what it means to be a family.
1: Hmm.
0: Like, we all know we're a family, we're sons and daughters, of are the most high God, but how do you live that out? And when you interact with people on a regular basis, and you get to be family to them, and they get to be family to you, through space, through time, through, through service, through loving, you begin to actually, tangibly experience what it means to be family. In, in my previous MC, when I was going through all this stuff with Shelly and, and her death and uh, living trying to figure out what life looked like over the next couple years after her death, I had people in my life who were family to me. They were at my house, they were bringing me meals, they were taking us on trips, they were doing everything that families would do for each other. And it just was a space where when we, even before Shelly got sick, were sacrificing and, and driving and they would drive and we'd just spend time together, it created a family dynamic where these people genuinely act and feel like family. So I think it just creates spaces where we can live out our identities, where we can actually be Christians. Number two, I think it it creates places where I remember the body, um, where you can speak the truth in love to one another, where genuine, transparent lives can be forged for the purposes of weeding out the brokenness of our sin and the implanting of grace inherent with each person. Like, we hate it, but your sin needs to die you know, as John Owen says, be killing sin and it'll be killing you, right? And we don't want our sin to be killed. We want it deep and hidden and, and far away and then it's destroying you. And the place where sin can actually be destroyed and weeded out is when other people begin to know you, see you, and then they can speak the truth of the gospel to other people, to you. You know, I was, you know, I was reminded the other day, like, how many times as a parent... Do I tell my kid the same thing? Parents, have you done that? Pick up your room. How many times you said that? 258,743,000 times. And guess what I'm going to say today? Pick up your room. Do you know what that means? Guess how many times you need to be told that God loves you. How many times do you need to be told that Jesus is your life? How many times do you need to be told that you have been redeemed and you're no longer a slave? Like, this is what it is. We need constant reminders of who we actually are. And, and this becomes places where people can actually do that and speak, as Nate so greatly last week talked about, being able to dive deep into your life and to be able to take the good news of Jesus and begin to see those idols Fall down in the grace of God grow in your life. And then finally, the third one that I would just highlight this morning, why community is really needed, is that it allows people to employ their various giftings to build up the body of Christ during Monday through Saturday. Hmm. Two things about this. Number one, you have been gifted by the Spirit of God. And what that means is that you have been gifted by the Spirit of God not for Sunday morning from 9 to noon. Hmm. You've actually been gifted by the Spirit of God in an everyday, all-day, ordinary way of life. That if you have the gift of prayer, guess what you should be doing all week long? Okay, If you have the gift of teaching, okay. I hope it's not just one time a week. The point is is that God has given us gifts to build up the church. Even when we leave these walls, you can use and employ your gift, which also means in Ephesians chapter 4, Nate talked about last week, I think it bears repeating, is that when you look at the structure of most churches today, I'm not to be mean, but it's like the few pay the many to do ministry. Did you catch that? The many, the church, pay the few the elders and pastors, to do ministry. Okay? And please, thank you for paying me. I like having food on my table. But the point is, in Ephesians chapter 4, that that actually gets inverted in reverse. It's actually the few equip the many to do ministry. Do you understand that difference? That you're not paying us to do ministry. You should be paying us to equip you so you can go do ministry. And so what that means is that you use your gifts and your abilities and what God has given you throughout the week to go and to minister to people and to pray with people. Or if you have the gift of serving, to serve people throughout the week. Or if you have the gift of teaching, to be teaching in your group. Or if you have the gift of of prophecy, you can be prophesying. Like There's just so many different gifts that you can use throughout the week that missional communities give a place, a tangible place, for every person to use their gifts so the question is, again, do you want to use your gift to build up the body of Christ and actually be known and to know people where your sin will be rooted out and the grace of God will come upon you and you can actually have a place to live out who God has made you to become. So
1: I think that's just a couple of reasons. I could
0: give 48 more, but I'm going to stop and let me go on so we can get done.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks, Scott. Um, so again, as we're shifting to like, okay, so why then MCs? There's that communal side and there's also that missional side. And again, as Scott was just saying, on that communal side, when you actually live life with people, your real giftings can come out. I just want to hit on that point again. It's just, it's just amazing to think about. Often when you think about what's your spiritual gift, that just falls into the category of, well, can I do the sound team or video team or teach an RC kids or preach or, like, what's my gift? Folks, some of you are really gifted at connecting with people. Some of you are really gifted in cooking. And you should cook for people and have them over in safe ways to have your food. You might be really good at building stuff. Do you think that's not a gift from the spirit? That absolutely is. Just because you might not be able to show up for an hour and a half on a Sunday and build something does not mean that your gift is less valuable. But where do you figure out how are you gifted? When people know you and say, you know what? You're amazing at that. I stink at that. But you're really good at that. Could you do that? Could you use that gift? Do you know what I mean? Like, giftings come, how we were wired and made to be comes out when we're in community together. So then, but MCs don't just exist for the sake of community, but for mission. But for being sent out to a people who do not yet know Jesus. People who are not yet part of the family. I read this quote this week that said, The church is the only society on earth who exists for the benefits of those who are not its members. Think about that. The church is the only society on earth who exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. So church, we have to realize that mission is not an add-on. It's not, well, I'm following Jesus and what can I do for mission this week? All of our life is pushing us towards life with those who don't yet know Jesus. You're not a Christian so you can be happy and enjoy a privileged life. We are rather Christians whose lives are part of a bigger story who calls us into mission. And Scott and I were just talking about this the other day, and Scott brought up the analogy of the military. Like, we live in a military town, so we should probably more often be talking about the language of the military. You know, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, people who are trained in a communal fashion for what? To sit on base and hang out? No, they are trained and forged into a unit and then sent to dangerous places to carry out their mission to secure objectives, to go to battlegrounds in spaces where those who have not been trained have no business going. So we exist in community to be sent together to the battlegrounds where the kingdom of God is advancing. Sometimes that looks like loving and caring for the poor. Sometimes that looks like loving and caring for those who are walking through some form of oppression or suffering. Sometimes that looks like planting a community garden at a nursing home. Sometimes that looks like thinking of creative ways to do a nonprofit. Sometimes mission actually means just loving the people who really need you right now, loving your neighbor who you hate because they always park their car in the wrong spot on the road. What if you were sent to that person? Not. <laughs> <laughs> and so, before we close by just talking about so where are our MCs at, I just want us to say that right now if we can begin to think this way, this pandemic we're in, which who knows what 2020 is going to be, this is an amazing time for missional communities to shine. This is an amazing time for missional communities to begin to figure out creative ways to be God's people in a season when life is still, in many ways, completely turned on its head. Even this week, I was just thinking, like, what if we pressed towards people who disagreed with us on COVID? you know, some of our folks are watching online, don't feel comfortable being here. What if we actually could put aside our own potential judgments or even disagreements and say, what are ways I could still press towards people? What if the realities I live with are different than the realities other people live with? What if there were single moms who could not afford to get COVID because they literally couldn't put food on their table? So they choose to be safe at home. Oh, well, how, how could I serve them? What could I do to actually love them and move towards them? What if there are people who are being distanced, who are distancing right now, and it's maybe for different reasons than I would agree with, but I could still press towards them? What would that look like if communities began to live that way? So I want you to just think about that this week. Want to go to the last part? State of the Union? Okay. Um, So to land this before we do our closing song, where are our missional communities at right now? If you came to redemption, Five years ago, we probably had eight, 10, maybe. Right now, I think we roughly have two and a half. Um, so just update, I recently closed my MC for the, for the express purpose of reforming it, rebuilding it. The Western Branch MC kind of just essentially closed down in our already beginning conversations about continuing life together, how they want to do that. Um, Don and Jeannie and Mike and Mary Osborne have an MC that is currently meeting. Scott has an MC that is currently meeting. I'm currently training a group of guys, four guys together, so they already have shared leadership um, together. They're being trained together to launch a new MC in 2021. Uh, We just started a new training with some of our leaders. We started a leadership cohort where monthly we're gonna be meeting with different leaders who are serving in different ways. So we aren't afraid of the fact that right now we have two and a half missional communities. We're saddened by the realities that we've seen MC shut down, oftentimes because of our failure to rightly lead pastorally, or because people have moved, or because seasons of life have changed. We are saddened, but we're not afraid. Does that make sense? Because we really see where, even with the realities of COVID, as Scott just said, you guys are the ministers of the gospel. We, haven't, we still have ministers of the gospel here with us who are seeking to do life together. So... I just want us to land on the fact that our confidence, even in pressing into communal life together, our confidence and our competence, our ability, is locked into Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Church, we're the ministers. We're the ones being sent. Therefore, we have a ton of hope. We are going to be very bold as we continue to press into ways of how to form and see missional communities launched this coming year.
0: Yeah, and I just want to close by saying, I hope what you hear us saying is that the essence of Redemption Church is following Jesus. Do you hear me? It's not a structure. Missional community is not what we're all about. We're about following Jesus getting to know him and seeing where he's taking us and seeing how he's gifted us and seeing how we can actually be his people together. The missional community is just a structure of a way to follow Jesus. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be a missional known as the missional community church. I want to be known as a church that loves and follows Jesus. Okay, and I want to be clear on that. We just think this is a structure, a way to structure our lives together Loosely based on what God has called you to do and we want to what I love about one of the things is if we do missional communities Right, it gives you an imagination for what God wants you to do and we want to help Facilitate what God is calling you to do So that's my close. this is about Jesus in his kingdom This is not about how big Redemption Church is or how many missional communities we have or all of that what it is is a call to come and to die and that call is very hard to obey so jesus help us to come and die help us to die to ourselves because we have seen what it means that you have died for us And in your love, you died for us. And so may we die to ourselves so that we may love your people and love those who do not yet know you, who you are reaching out and calling into the kingdom of God right now. May we be a Jesus people. May we listen to you and hear your voice as your sheep. May the community, this group of people as we covenant to live our lives together, may it fill us more and more with the love of God and the grace of God so that we can radiate that love and that grace to people everywhere we go. So Jesus, we bless you. We declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And we thank you that right now as your people, we're casting our crowns we are laying them down at your feet and we are crying and declaring that you are holy, holy, and holy. So spirit meet with us and as we leave continue to fill us be.